with so many podcasts out there, shows can get lost in the shuffle. That's why we implore you to check out Too Many Captains. You can find us at a moviepodcast.com. Five unique takes on Hollywood movies and culture. Find us on Twitter at It's a Film Podcast. Check our intellectual deep dives into theatrical films. Find us on Instagram at Too Many Captains Productions. Unique takes on soundtracks. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Too Many Captains Productions. Find us at a moviepodcast.com on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And now, here comes a new episode of Collateral Cinema. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Ian Harper. I'm Lewis. And this is Collateral Cinema and... Retro Podcast. Podcast. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We're podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, be it dabs, blunts, bongs, or joints, smoke it if you've got it. And what's up, Ash? I think it's time we blow this scene. Get everybody and their stuff together. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Three, two, one, let's jam. Let's jam. <laughs> yeah, and this is quite an auspicious occasion. This is a special episode that we're doing with the Retro Anime Podcast, Ian and Lewis. How are you guys doing? Doing yeah, just we're good, fine. Yeah, doing good. Excellent. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about your show. You, I guess you obviously the name implies you check out a lot of old school anime. Yeah, yeah. Take the floor. Yeah, so um, I'll start off. So, so Lewis is my stepson. Okay, so we're a father and son podcast team. So, oh, okay. you know, I'm in my well, I'm past my mid forties now. So I got into anime, you know, a long, long time ago. I got into Battle of the Planets in the late seventies as a young oh. child, and I liked a lot of anime that I didn't realize was anime. And then, you know, when it kind of got licensed and went bit more mainstream in 91 in the uk you know i've been a anime fan ever since so um you know i used to watch a lot of anime and then lewis would when he was you know much younger used to watch anime started watching it with me didn't you so uh, yeah exactly i think i i I remember watching the original gundam Um, yeah it was gundam seed that was the first thing we watched together oh yeah yeah. oh gundam seed we watched yeah 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 i remember um i was obviously hooked on the western uh kind of anime localized versions of like Pokemon and Digimon. Um, and then very quickly got adapted into the Mecha uh, and then <laughs> kind of discovered Evangelion. And then yeah, well, that as, as you that. do, as you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was very formative. You know, it was great. Excellent. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of similar to how I started off. Like I'm I'm I just hit my early 40s. So. 
I mean, I, I was there for a lot of the 80s anime and also the big boom in the 90s and everything. So so I, I get exactly where y'all are go- coming from. Yeah, so, so the, the idea of the... No, go ahead. Yeah, so, the you know, the idea of the podcast was actually I, I wanted to talk about, you know, old anime and a lot of stuff that just kind of never really gets talked about on podcasts. Um and then, you know, I talked to Lewis about it and actually the dynamic, because Lewis watches a lot more modern anime than than I do. Like, actually, I, I have a bit of kind of the rose tints yeah. for some of this stuff. And, and Lewis is a bit more objective about some of it. So, you know, it's quite a good to have like a my old school eyes and, and Lewis is sort of much younger, like next generation kind of viewpoint on, on some of this older stuff. So it's, yeah. it works it's, really it's, well. It's been really eye opening to kind of... Um go back in time and watch. Yeah. Obviously never pick off off the shelf. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even like give it a second glance. Uh, and it, it's it, a lot of the time it's, it's, Oh, it's painful. It's painful. <laughs> but the, the, other times it's like, wow, actually, you know, you can really see where some of these styles came from and you can really see where, you know, where things were, these systems were working and yeah, the efficiency of the anime industry and its boom and, and everything else it's it's yeah it's kind of it makes everything afterwards kind of feel i don't know collateral collateral exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> totally collateral sounds like you know kind of got a, a similar dynamic to uh bo and i have with our approach to uh anime uh i'm you know bo grew up with a lot of the the 90s uh, 80s anime whereas you know i kind of got introduced to anime through some of the more modern stuff i mean my shit is right. naruto yeah, that's that's what right, got me hooked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what's always going to be my favorite. But uh, man, this one that we're talking about today actually has to make it to my top five. And I have to thank both for introducing me to Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, it took me introducing you to this series, right? For the podcast. For the podcast. Of all, <laughs> of all things. Like, it, to me, it's one of those real bread and butter kind of animes. You know, mm. I mean, it's it's so integral oh, yeah. to the language of the genre. Yeah. Oh, oh god! It's it's sustenance. It's like it's it's bread and crackers. It's the best thing ever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a proper gateway anime series for a lot of people, isn't it? One hundred percent. Yeah, it's just cool, and it's it's so cool that even watching it makes you cool. Oh. Like, I don't know anyone who <laughs> yeah. hasn't. I don't know who anyone who's like even seen a few episodes and go, yeah, that's it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, you, uh, you just cool. and it is. You just watch one episode and then all of a sudden you have some scotch on the rocks and a cigarette in your in your <laughs> fingers and you're just like grooving to some jazz and it's just like, oh wow, you're gonna carry all that weight. You're, oh yeah, you're carrying all that weight. Hundred percent. Like from, yeah. the, from the from the minute the the kind of <laughs> from the minute the intro hits, you're just like, oh wait, uh, I found myself without even realizing it. Two episodes in, I, I'd already poured myself a glass of whiskey. didn't even think about it it was just there in front of me i was like oh hang on yeah it just kind of comes with the territory whenever you're uh watching this anime i mean and yeah and and it's great because it's such a perfect confluence of so many different genres in in anime and in film in many ways yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's a kind of a it's it's one of those breakthrough I would say, yeah, I'd say breakthrough. It's it's ninety eight, so you know, it's 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 still kind of young in its boots, but uh, it it really had something that a lot of others, a lot of other series or things fail to do, and it's that kind of that that real 
style and not a scene is wasted and everything serves that it's greater whole kind of thing you know like the world building everything else like that so. yeah ju- just the way that the narrative is constructed you know like how yeah. you just you just get like whispers of the overarching storyline throughout and you know you also have you know standalone episodes that are pretty awesome on their own right i think yeah. that's that's what really makes the series excel is that you know it, it does have a very standalone approach you know, and, and what you do get out of character backstories still leaves the character shrouded in mystery. I mean, there's this overall plot going on with Vicious, but most of Bebop yeah. is just day-to-day life with this dysfunctional family. Yeah, and what, what, <laughs> yeah, exactly. what a day-to-day life it is. I mean, it really undercuts like just how boring that type of life would be. Yeah, you know, especially yeah. when you put it in the context of, you know, interstellar travel and everything. And, you know, human beings have branched out across the galaxy. I mean, it just shows that even in 2073, 2083 or something like that, life is just so banal. Yeah. You know, and effortlessly like it effortlessly transitions the uh, the style and the mood and the uh, the world of the piece uh, through. Like I guess three minutes in, you've passed the intro. You've already you've already got like an idea just from the, the quality of the animation of of who Spike is, yeah, and and and, and who Jet is. That 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 even those just those two on screen early early doors. It's that you immediately see that the difference in their characters, the optimism and the nihilistic kind of you know uh, disregard for everything. It's just immediately presented to you, and you don't yeah. justify anything else going yeah. forward because. I think like the series has one of the best first episodes like I've seen in, in like all the series. Cause you know, I, I keep a track. I've seen over uh, 650 different like anime titles. So, you know, I've, I've got a, a huge amount to like reference against. And the first episode like just does a good job of just ex- telling you exactly what this series is going to be like. It's, you know, it sets up that kind of lackadaisical cool, you know that kind of thing, but the adventure and yeah. you know the, and the Accented action by that one um, harmonica. Yeah, you know, and all the detailed, like when they go through the um, astral gates and you see the, you know, the uh, ticket go through to kind of register the payment. You know, flight through the toll gate and when Jet takes off for the first time, and all the little detail in the. Um, you know the the flaps on on the swordfish and, and it's just it's brimming with little detail like that like absolutely brimming and the bit at the end where the woman you, you know she isn't pregnant she's got all this red eye drug capsules and and yeah with little bits of detail and it just sets that up then for the remaining 25 episodes we actually got that on right now in the background that's what i was setting up whenever we uh, first hooked up with you guys. We've got Asteroid Blues running on uh, on yeah. mute, uh, and I gotta agree, it is a perfect way to start this series. I mean, it just immediately sets the tone for how this series is going forward. And you don't even have all your main cast here yet. You know, you really just have Spike yeah. and Jet. But even yeah, the dynamic yeah. between those two and, you know, just the world building that goes on, y- you already get a feeling for what Cowboy Bebop is. Hell, you even get a flavor for how Spike actually interacts with, like, women throughout the uh, yeah. entirety yeah. of the series. Just yeah. just with this uh, one woman that he encounters. I mean, you completely get his whole motivation there and you completely get how he actually functions in this world. 
And I yeah. think it does one of those things because it kind of it sets up the ending like in that very first scene. Oh, because because it sets that up, and you don't really find out about what the actual context of that scene is until much later. And then it kind of closes that loop at the very end of the series, at the end of the double, um, the two-parter that, that closes the series out. Yeah. Because um, Watanabe did a series a couple of years ago called Carol and Tuesday, which effectively is set in the uh, Cowboy Bebop world. It's set on Mars, but it's actually part of the same universe. Huh, and it actually has the same... Yeah, it has the same structure. It kind of tells you that bit at the beginning, then then spends the next 26 episodes actually explaining how you got to that ending. So, uh, yeah. Wow, wow. we actually did not know that. <laughs> I didn't know there was anything cool. else in the Bebop universe because Bo and I were actually talking about how great it would be to see something set. I mean, our idea was... We, we, uh, something that would be really cool would be like an open world video game set in the Cowboy Bebop mm. universe. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there, there's already precedent for something like that, you know, like like with, with No Man's yeah. Sky. I mean, you have the uh, precedent for having an entire, you know, solar system to to explore and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking much the same that way, you know, like you, there's just they've built this this incredible world. You know, uh, even down to some of the citizens, like these three guys that yeah. show up in yeah, a the, bunch the, of episodes. Yeah. Three elderly dudes, yeah. like they're always yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they're always there. And you know, I, I really like about like um, that what you mentioned earlier about the whispers of a storyline. Um, with that flashback at the very, very beginning, that kind of like is that foreshadowing of of the of the end. It's yeah. It's it feels is through the lens of spike mm. uh but you're kind of just taking taking like a third person camera um uh through through these interactions of these characters and it's like it, it a lot of them are all anytime you cut to someone else they're all like they're, there's something they're doing this uh, a character fulfillment loop or it's trying to get closer to spike yeah, exactly. Uh, especially yeah. with Jet, like Jet desperately trying to understand his motivations, or both of them like trying to desperately understand his motivations and get to the core of who he is. And you you kind of you kind of get that you know Jet and Spike they are for the most part really you know intimately familiar with each other's back mm. stories and everything, but only to a certain point. There's st secrets they keep yeah. from each other. Like, you know, yeah, Spike definitely. asks Jed about his arm. He doesn't know, you know, what happened there. And we don't find out until Black Dog Serenade. Yeah. So mm. Several episodes down the line. Yeah. yeah. And 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 it, it sets up that dynamic, like, right off the get-go. You know, it's just, you know, the dynamic yeah. of family. And that that's one of these overarching themes is that this is very much about family. Family. Yeah. 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 Dominic Toretto comes in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's a there's a, a Mustang with a, a supercharged V8 flying out of the astral gate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would track and that would actually be amazing, honestly. <laughs> but but yeah. in that dynamic, though, go ahead. I was gonna say because in that dynamic between them, because there's this one of the things that's quite profound with all the characters is this sense of loneliness. Yeah, loneliness you know, they're, they're, and, and desperation as well. They shouldn't, yeah. You know, yeah. so as much as they're kind of together, is that they're, you know, they're, they're together and they're not together. You know, they've all got these kind of, these, you know, they're all kind of damaged goods. Yeah. Yeah. To and an extent. Silently understanding each other, you know, they never press. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. Yeah, totally. Is that, is, 
It's and, almost like a weirdly perfect family. <laughs> yeah, very perfect. I mean, it's it's like, man, if I, if I wish that my family would have kind of just fucked off and not worried about <laughs> half of my bullshit, you know? And that, that's kind of what it is with uh, these four individuals, maybe well, maybe five with Ayn. I mean, you got to kind of include Ayn in there. You, you got to, because, you know, even Ayn's got a sort of, you know, intelligence about him. And even he has a backstory to him, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like how Jet, you know, r- talks about, and he brings this up multiple times about how the other members of the Bebop just come and go as they please. And he just gets yeah. so fed up with their bullshit. But at the end of the day, <laughs> as much as they bicker, they always seem to be there for each other and come to each other's rescue when, you know, it's really needed. They really do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's ultimately what, what family's all about, right? Is having yeah. somebody to fall back on like that. Spike will never admit that he likes. Uh, Faye or Edward, but you know there is this 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 underlying bond, and I like how yeah. Cowboy Bebop go, you know just shows and doesn't tell with these relationships. Exactly. Yeah. 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 They're all very functional. They all br- like kind of bring something individual to the table, uh, and like when it, when the episodes are presenting their journeys, it's all like they're all pursuing different avenues or leads. Um, it usually amalgamates to the whole. It's, yeah. it's just uh it's like very seamlessly done. Oh, very seamlessly. And and think, once once again, I just love how all of this is just set to the backdrop of, you know, human beings being out in space. Like the sci-fi elements of it is like it's very upfront, but it's also very kind of rugged, very worn mm-hmm. down and everything, you know? Almost steampunkish to a way, to a degree, but not so much. Yeah, I, I I agree with that because I think there's because there's this whole thing like what I think the series does really well and and part of it in how it sets up that sort of kind of science fiction background is like it kind of tells you something but doesn't tell you everything. So like the whole astral gate incident that like meant the Earth became uninhabitable. There's there's little clues about what happened, but they don't fully explain what happened there. No, it you never know. is. Like we just have, you know, whispers and murmurs of that. Like, yeah. Like for instance, in uh, the uh, episode with the young uh, kid, you know, like where where he's actually a, an older man and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sympathy that, for the yeah, devil. sympathy yeah, for the devil. The sympathy yeah. devil. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like I mean that that's a direct co- a consequence because of the uh, astral gate uh, disaster and everything. You know, and then and then like later on when it comes to chess master hex, you know how mm-hmm. that plays yeah. into everything. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so that that's always something that's in the background, and it's always influencing the events of the show, like per se. You know, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. In the meta sense, sorry. Yeah, yeah in in the meta sense, yeah. We've brought up a few episodes, but uh, what what are what are some of the standalone episodes that you know stick out to you guys? Oh, uh, hmm. I mean, I really like the the Jupiter Jazz two parter with Gren. That is a I, huge I, I, favorite of mine. I, I I really like it the way it gives that little bit of um, background to to Vicious, um, you know, during the the war on um, Callisto and 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 stuff, and you know, it's and again, just a little bit more about Julia. So again, kind of that that how it fits bit of where because it because it's sort of right in the middle of the series so it's kind of done a few bits hints and and bit about that overarching then in the middle you get this two-parter and you get a load of backstory and 
you know, a bit of development about kind of, um, you kind know, of what kind of person, and, yeah, what kind of person yeah. vicious actually is, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, there does seem to be a slight sympathetic, uh, undercurrent to him a little bit slightly. Yeah. Slightly. Almost. Yeah. 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 It's it's kind of there, but it's also very obvious that he just completely threw all that away a long time ago. Whenever yeah. he he put his plans in, into machinations into effect, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I quite like Piero Lefou. Um, the well, that's one, one of my favorites. Like that, oh yeah, man, that, that kind of that assassin that goes after him. I think that's hilarious. I I love the narrative structure of that. I mean, you get no real explanation as to what Pierrot, what the Mad Perot actually is. Yeah. And then when when we actually get an explanation, it doesn't matter in the end. None of it <laughs> mattered. I mean, he was going to come after Spike one way or the other. There was nothing <laughs> they could do about it. It was just something that they had to mitigate. Mm-hmm. You know, like Tongpu chose them. He chose Spike. Yeah, he wasn't actually a bounty they were going after. That's what's crazy is is there wasn't a bounty on his head Spike at all. Spike was literally yeah. out and about just playing billiards. That's it, all he was doing. That's the, his only crime in that entire episode. He's just a, a, a force of nature. Uh, I got to say, yeah, Piero LeFou may be one of my favorite episodes, if not my favorite episode, just because I, I love how it starts, uh, and I just love the whole thing beginning to finish. I think it's one of the best written yeah. episodes it really is, yeah, and and also you know like, like the narrative structure, like I said, like for instance, how we actually get the information about uh, Tongpu, mm-hmm. you know, like whenever mm-hmm. whenever Ed hacks in, like we don't really get an indication that what we're watching is like something that was actually on the information on the website that uh, Ed hacked. Yeah, like you don't get any of that. It just kind of goes into this really intense little backstory. And but like I said, none, none of that matters in the end. It's all irrelevant because Spike has to fight him anyways, and he just eliminates him. Yeah. And hard luck woman as well, because I like the fact the way it focuses on Ed. So I think because it's so late in the series, because you've, you've had all that chance to build up and know like the characters a bit, and then it goes off and does that Ed-centric. And I think this, that's quite interesting, because it's there's all, again, what we talked about earlier about that, yeah, they've all got these kind of they don't know their own pasts um, and they're kind of trying to piece all these pieces together to, 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 you know, put together their background and understand who they are and and stuff. You know, that that bit with Ed's father, I think like episodes like that, I think, is is really good because it's that's a little bit out of the norm of the um well, yeah, the also, sort of regular narrative of the series. Yeah, well, also that particular episode, Hard Luck Woman, that's such a huge change. That's when that's when you know that the series is about to enter its climax, you know, because yeah. I mean, Ed- Edward leaving is just I remember that being like the, one of the most notable parts of the of the show is when when ed leaves that's when everything changes ed and ein you know ed yeah. and ein yeah yeah ed and ein yeah yeah in in a, in a way uh, that that means that the heart of their little family is kind of you know it it was finally set in place and now it's just kind of leaving i think it was kind of yeah. necessary though because of the the themes that the next two episodes you know the finale two potter goes through mm. the real folk blues I think getting Ed out of the way for that was probably the best way. And and like you said, I mean, it does sort of give you closure. I mean, not 
what one or two episodes before that uh big shot also closes out and so we really can feel that the series is winding down by that point and, and then in uh, real folk blues we see the main host of big shot in like completely out of character like picking up his mother or uh-huh. grandmother as it were and, and that's when you finally that that finality just hits you there you know yeah. the finality of like yeah these stories are this climax is coming this story is about to end and we know it's not going to end well for spike no yeah like there, there's yeah. no other way that that could have ended you know like yeah. of course of course julia yeah. would be dead of course he would be he would have to fight his way and destroy vicious you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think i think it's the suddenty of it as well it's like there's this this kind of you built up this cautious optimism about uh you know his his character and how he gets out of these like very tight and tricky situations and it's all of his training pays off and then as soon as his one weakness is like kind of revealed thing yeah is is immediately kind of like snapped away and it feels so like yeah. sudden and, and part of that because it's, mm. it's a lot of like there's a lot of parts in that in that chase sequence a lot of where it, yeah. You, where, it, it, where, it, where it gets slowed down, and you're like, oh, you know, it's just like just for the, the, the dramatics of it. And then the slowest the one part where it slows down for the shortest time is just snap, and it's kind of gone. Yeah, and yeah. it's you just it, it, it's almost like you snap into existence in that moment as well when you're when you're witnessing that. You're like, oh, yeah. Oh plus, no. <laughs> plus, it's it's notable that we don't really get Julia in the series for that long proper. No, you know? we don't. Yeah, as yeah. soon as she's introduced, you know, just immediately afterwards, she's killed off. And that's kind of <laughs> Spike's whole motivation mm. for living. I mean, yeah. after that point, yeah. he doesn't give a fuck anymore. No, he, he, what's no. left for him, you know? I mean, that, that was his driving force for so many episodes. And it, I mean, like, like, for instance, going back to Jupiter Jazz, that's the reason why he went off there was, you know, Julia was brought up. Yeah, you know, yeah. and he it, he was immediately like without thinking, he was like, nope, I gotta get out of there. I gotta I gotta go get her. And I gotta go look yeah. for her. You know, he he found a family with the bebop, but even that's sort of kind of winding down. Oh, you yeah. know, as, as yeah. we lose a couple members, and you know, who's to say, you know, that that this is gonna last forever? And I think maybe Spike realizes that too. You mm. know, and and when he leaves, he knows full well that there's a good chance that he's gonna die. He says. You know, I don't plan on it, but <laughs> well, there's that story yeah. that he tells about the uh, about the cat going like losing all of his lives, and then after loving that one cat, mm-hmm. he finally dies the final death, and he didn't come back. And look know? at the like, way he fights in that. You know, he's more yeah. reckless than he even is usually. He, he doesn't care. Yeah, he wants to kill yeah. Vicious no matter what it takes, even if that means that he's gonna die too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the one yeah. time you kind of see him like really gritting his teeth and not kind of being jovial with. With his yeah. challenge, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very much personal. Yeah, yeah, um, that kind of like, cockiness. It, yeah, yeah. Here's a question though: Did you feel, uh, did you feel more weight kind of between between the death scenes or between the final interaction with with Faye? The final act- interaction with Faye, I think, is the heaviest one because that's when it's she's that that's yeah. when she's coming to terms with it. Like she she just realized that no, this is her family, and now. That's being taken from her again. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. It, it's it's almost an, another death for her in a way. Mm. 
She she's also I think one of my favorite you know like femme fatale type characters in anime. You know I think that she's a very strong and empowering female character that uh, obviously has her own ups and downs as well. At the end of the day, she looks out for herself, but then she sort of finds uh, this other driving force only for it to be eventually ripped away from her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I think that ultimately what makes Faye so compelling is that, you know, she's just such a blank slate when it yeah. comes to her, her past. And then when yeah. we finally learn about that past, it's like there's that real possibility that she may never know who she actually is. It, it, it kind of yeah, feels like yeah. her, ide- her identity is kind of just, you know, plopped into her lap near the end of the yeah. the series. And, you know? that's, and that's why that's why like I I'd say it's like it's kind of through through uh Spike's like lens this even though you get like the 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 real development and and uh yeah you get the real character development of, of everyone else on the Bebop but uh, it really doesn't feel like Jet or Faye get to complete their arcs. It's mm-hmm. almost like their story dies with Spike. That is true, a little bit. Yeah, and, and even yeah. though we, we yeah. do get some, you know, some conclusion to certain parts of their lives, like, for instance, uh, Jet and his relationship with his ex-girlfriend, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we don't really get a full, like, denouement or epilogue for them in any way. Mm. We really don't. Yeah. I mean, Faye finally does remember her past, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know? The, like, yeah, like exactly. said, yeah. The coldness of the, of the it's, it doesn't matter what like yeah. you know, the cryo did or you know that that's a complete separation. Her life really started again when she joined the Bebop. Yeah, that was um, when it started in earnest. Yeah, yeah, and, and in that episode as well, in that hard like, woman bit, you know, because at the end, you 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 see um you know the meteorite strike on Earth again, so it kind of builds up on that, and it you know, and she only finds what's the remnants of her of our home, you know. Hey, what can I tell you? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Truthfully, I don't think about those guys much since all that stuff went down.
Sometimes it ain't pretty, but it's a living. There's nothing there. It's all behind. There's there's nothing to to you know further her story as such. Yeah, and it's been repeatedly destroyed by you know the the rock falls and and, and meteor strikes on Earth. You know, it's just a, it's, every time it's just constantly eroding away, and she'll know there'll be nothing there. There's nothing there now, and it's only going to get worse. It's only going to further erode away. Yeah. So she's never going to know her true past and 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 everything about her past. Yeah. Now it's interesting I, it's that. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it just it, it it puts you on a note where you're you're kind of you know looking up and and just thinking, no, no, there <laughs> needs to be more. There needs <laughs> exactly. to be more. And then, bang, two thousand and two. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting to juxtapose that with uh, how Ed's story ends. I mean, mm. Ed actually like never really lost her father, you know. It's mm-hmm. like they were always there on Earth. It's like he was just going from place to place to place. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and she she actually grew in, she grew up in that world. You know, she grew yeah, up yeah. mitigating yeah. what was going on with Earth. So, I mean, she she's actually very well connected to Earth as opposed to Faye. You know, that's true. Mm-hmm. I want to. Yeah, and I wanted to. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go go. go. You finish what you're saying, Ashley. Uh, well, I was going to go off on uh, another uh, point entirely, so. <laughs> well, I was just going to say on the the characters bit. So so Watanabe, four years previously, had, had directed um, Macross Plus. And if you look at some of the characters in there, and especially the, the lead character in, in Macross Plus, and there's, he's kind of a, you know, a headstrong, doesn't yeah. really care kind of character. And, and you can see... What Watanabe was doing, that kind of that feat, that kind of carried into Cowboy Bebop a bit. You know, I think you can clearly see um, in Watanabe's work that progression, and and you know, it's yeah, yeah. Again, because I watched Macros Plus fairly recently, and watching this again, it's like ah, uh, yeah, actually, I could, you can really see that from a director from his um, point of view. It's you know, there's there's that some things he's done with characters in his previous work and he's he's carried carried it on into this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the dynamic yeah. or is it the uh I think it's just the style of the characters that because right. there's a there's 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 a similar character dynamic in Macros Plus, which I think in this is further expanded and developed because Macros Plus was just for you know fifty minute episodes or forty minute episodes or Yeah. And then here you've got a whole twenty six episodes to to really flesh it out, so it's really interesting some of the seeds and stuff you see in Macross Plus. How how yeah, Watanabe is. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar. It. I'm familiar with uh, Macross Plus. I I think I have that on DVD somewhere. Oh, nice. I haven't checked that out. Yeah, honestly, I might have to pull it out and actually compare because I mean I didn't even think about that on to tell to tell the truth, in all honesty. Because the other thing that's linked is Yoko Kano's, because she did the score for. Macross Plus as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, oh, so yeah, they had that working. Yeah, that's awesome. Huh. Well, uh, one more episode I, I, I want to touch on before we get into yeah. the, the movie uh, is Mushroom Samba. Ooh. One of my oh, favorite yeah, episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a great, great episode. I mean, they just straight that up is, trip yeah. on mushrooms. You know, I kind of want to watch yeah. that episode on mushrooms, to be honest. Plus, yeah, it's, plus, it, it's, 
It's just gonna say it's just such a standalone episode. It's yeah. just, it is off the beaten track. Plus, they give Ed a chance to take down a bounty. How can you not love yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That that that's Edward's approach to bounty hunting. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know Edward but is usually usually you know cowboy bebop at his computer. You know, like I mean, he's always yeah, at the computer. Yeah. But to see Ed actually go out there, like even take some gear and like actively <laughs> take on a uh, bounty and and also the black exploitation uh homage oh my lord yeah like that that is so much fun i mean you yeah. pretty much get foxy yeah. brown up in that shit <laughs> yeah Shut definitely up, yeah. dolomite and whatnot i mean it's like damn well, i like the way that episode starts with with the bebop in dire straits yeah, you know, yeah they're all they're all out of everything <laughs> just yeah. completely deadlocked just pretty much their lives on a daily on yeah a you know and the, and they you know that ship kind of just knocks them and forces you know knocks them out of orbit down into an ego death trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just that like, what we were saying like at the beginning you know when we started talking about it that kind of that um you know the you know uh, just that mundane you know lifestyle of like yeah in a ship drift. you know yeah. at bounties and it's no it's not regular work you know you're chasing down the you know you only get paid and earned when you, you chase someone down so there's a lot of effort which may not pay off and i and i think that episode really really sums it up um you know i think that really epitomizes that it's that. a great motif though that's like used from the get-go so it feels yeah. very like it's it's almost like how do you remember red dwarf it, yeah it was it's yeah. almost like returning to red yeah Dwarf. yeah like definitely step, yeah you get the establishing shot of the ship and then you step inside and then you're on board with the crew and you're like oh i know this scenario yeah it's yeah. it's the it's the beef and <laughs> it's spicy vegetables without the beef <laughs> yeah it's, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's all eating, that kind of stuff it's, it's brilliant pot yeah. meal from a polystyrene cup it's like there's no there's no <laughs> protein they're all freaking out they're all up in each other's business and the family's falling apart until they can reconnect when they do what they do best yeah yeah, yeah definitely Definitely. Hold on one second. Recording. We're recording, please. Pizza? Yeah, we just had somebody knock on my door real quick. Oh. Yeah, sorry <laughs> about that. But anyway, but I, one of the th- go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, because one of the things that's quite interesting, you know, uh, what we've talked about, it, you know, it's, it's very difficult to, genre to define because I remember... You know, um, Watanabe sort of famously said it's a show that defines its own genre. It does. So he's not thing. wrong, and, and he's not wrong because it covers so many different things. And there's um, a series called Outlaw Star, which is another kind of space western type show, which actually I love. I started love, airing. Yeah, I love Outlaw Star. Yeah, that's that's a great great series. Yeah, no, no, another one of those great Adult Swim tsunami series. So. Yeah, yeah, but it actually started airing like four months before Cowboy Bebop did, and it's from Sunrise, this, you know, so both from the same studio. But it's it's interesting that Cowboy, sorry, it's it's interesting that like Outlaw Stars always kind of perceived like, oh, well, it didn't do what Cowboy Bebop did, but it's not as good. Actually, came beforehand, you know, it was actually in production first, um, and I always think it's a really kind of unfair comparison because they're such different shows. Yeah, but um, it still feels like there are good companion shows, though. You know, like I mean, I, I especially good, with, yeah, I agree. They're kind of good companions, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
anyway, I guess we can go ahead and start talking about the movie. The now. movie, yeah, also <laughs> known as Cowboy Bebop Knocking on Heaven's Door. And I kind of wish in the uh, 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 the Western release they actually refer to it as that because it, it's, again, it's another uh, music reference. But uh, also yeah, directed yeah. by uh, Watanabe. And I think it feels like an extended Cowboy Bebop episode, except instead of 20 minutes, it's two hours. Yeah, and it actually yeah, takes yeah. place. Yeah. Uh, it takes its place uh, narratively. Wh- wh- where is it between, between episodes twenty two and twenty three? I believe so. Right. Uh, yeah, it's somewhere right towards scratch. the kind of yeah, right yeah. towards the end of the series. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was between a break in the series, I think, uh, a prolonged yeah. prolonged one where it dropped. That w- that would make sense, but yeah, no, like narratively, it takes place between those two episodes, so sort of towards the end. Um, but before Big Shot ends, I believe that was one of the the ways that they used to determine its placement. Um, and yeah. it takes place on Mars, which is referenced as early as the first episode as, you yeah. know, the place where rich people live. Uh, and, and I love, you know, how they, they go out with it. You know, with the movie, you think that they try to explore a lot of different locations. But like a lot of Bebop episodes, it kind of just takes place on this one location. Uh, and you've got a yeah. really interesting antagonist for the movie as well with uh, Vincent. Yeah. Yeah. It, v- Vincent is interesting, I think. I mean, I, I don't remember the character all that well, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> what I really cool. like about um, the, the movie is that actually it gives its, like, it gives, like, what an RB, that, like, more room to actually d- to kind of develop scenes. Because that scene when they're on the monorail, there's like a like the way the tension builds up in that there's like you know the, when they're facing off at each other down the carriage with a gun pointing at each other there's a whole build up to that yeah. yeah and then and then it like the action happens and you get the the slow mo bit as the the you know the, like the grenade or the bomb goes off in the in the carriage and stuff and you, you because it's a 2 hour film there's actually there's actually effectively an episode to just do that one scene yeah. of running time to do that one scene. So like what an can really develop, you know, he can really build tension. He can really kind of, you know, the, yeah. the all the little nuances and the looks between the characters and, and stuff and the, the way the set piece rolls out. Cause like this movie is full of really good set pieces, but it's because would- it- Take it one step further, and even though some people might argue that it's too long, right? I would argue that there isn't a second wasted. No, I would argue. I would argue that everything is so beautifully crafted. Yeah, you can get you can get some extreme level of detail out of the out of the out of every frame. No, I think there's always something to go. Wow! Oh, wow! (laughs) You know, one hundred percent. I think Watanabe effectively uses the the additional running time. You know, and and the movie it is pretty long. You know, like I said, it, it 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 you do you do feel the length of it because your typical Bebop episode, you know, is kind of over in a flash, and yet it doesn't feel like anything was padded or you know that there was any time wasted. Like you said, you know, well, every single second, every frame is showing you something, and and that's just yeah. that that there's really just a testament to the the writing quality, and it shows the the versatility that the director has. Yeah, you've got this whole like it's just it's because there's so much, there's so many sequences to it which like yeah, completely blow the doors off of the sequence before, and it's like the it's the it's the 
key attention to detail for the the team that was working on solely the combat sequences and then you've got that big top gun aerial combat fight it's just all nuts it's brilliant yeah yeah <laughs> but my one thing with the movie i will say there's there's a bit towards the end where there's like um i think there's vincent and faye and there's like there's a lot of characters kind of there's like a lot of real philosophical talk and i just think that scene is just like a few minutes too long mm, maybe a i think that bit. i think that takes a little bit of energy out of the film um i think it's good to have that downtime but i that's that's uh, the, actually yeah i think you might be right i mean but i, I think, I think it's it's, I, for it's me personally that's bit. just a little bit too long that scene yeah i think it's also because his motives are a little bit hard to grasp like yeah. you can't really empathize with him no um no. And, and, and so like it, when he's like doing these long drawn out kind of like poetic statements it's just like yeah get over yourself mate you're essentially immortal <laughs> yeah. uh, also <laughs> is it just me or does is does vincent never know that his plan was actually foiled because <laughs> yeah, no, he's yeah, so yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got he's got nothing to lose though. That's the thing, you know. He's yeah. got nothing to lose. So, but it does make you feel like every after every like altercation with him, it's just like, but they did they win? I feel like they didn't win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's um it's an absolutely gorgeous film though. I mean, it really it's like it's absolutely beautiful. It really yeah. is. I mean, I mean, just animation wise, I mean, it's it's. Definitely a more fluid approach to the animation than on the on the TV series. Yeah, I mean the, the bigger budget yeah. I think shows with the movie. I mean they they really went all out with the animation, and and while it definitely reminds you of the series, it's just just a little bit better quality, and and that's kind of what yeah. you want yeah, to see yeah. out of an anime movie. Yeah, was it four years after the last episode aired, something. Uh, two thousand and one, the movie. So oh, sorry, yeah, sorry. so it's probably about two and a bit. By the time the series actually ended, yeah, that's wild. I mean, yeah, like the love and craft and the detail is like there's nothing you you can you can watch it back and just get so about every scene. Yeah, you also have the uh, the 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 woman character Electra, I think her name yeah. was, and, and she's got a connection yeah. to Vincent. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, but she doesn't realize that she actually has the uh, she's actually immune to it. To yeah. the, uh, the the nano machines. <laughs> yeah. How does that? How does that? How does how does that revelation? I know how it happens, but I forget like how they, how they, uh, or it's how a... she got them in her system. Oh, like how how she got his. Yeah, blood she in gets her exposed system. to them. Yeah. Oh, she gets exposed to them. Yeah. And I then know, I, know, I, know, she... I know she gets exposed to the uh, the the uh, nanobots, but I forget how she became or she got the nanos in her system in the first place. Yeah, That's and I just watched it yesterday, and I, I'm kind of glossing over it too. But it, at <laughs> yeah. some point, <laughs> I guess yeah. she got. Yeah, that's blood. the one thing. Like I, I concentrate on that like often every time I rewatch this, and it is the one thing my brain constantly glosses over is how did she get the nanobots? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forget. Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember, but uh, I like that, uh, you know, there's a scene where they're both, uh, Spike and Elektra are in the prison together, and uh, he actually alludes to Julia for a moment, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of shows this vulnerability that we don't even see with members of the Bebop very Mm -hmm. often. 
you know, and and, yeah. I, and I think it's interesting that that Spike, you know, consistently has this uh, this connection to to women. I mean, we kind of see it in the beginning with Asteroid Blues as well, yeah, uh, and throughout yeah. the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, that 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 connection is very understated in many ways. You know, like he's like he, it, it seems like he's not trying to like romance every one of them. No, honestly. He just has a way with, you know, connecting with them that, you know, he can lower their defenses a little bit and actually become friends with them easily. You yeah, know? I mean, he's a sca- space cowboy. He's elusive. He's sexy. Yeah, you know, he's he's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's just like, he's he's a admirable, rugged kind of character. Yet, yet still uh, accessible, you know? You could kind of yeah, still yeah, talk to yeah. him and be cool. Yeah. And that doesn't extend to Faye, by the way. He, no, no, <laughs> he, he is just, him and Faye just... They, they were at each other's throats pretty much from the get-go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, when when they first met, I mean, they had a little bit of a flirty thing going, like when they were at the uh, casino and everything. Right. But, yeah. you know, but I, I mean... it's because, like, Faye, Faye gets used for comic relief before Ed joins the group, you know? Yeah. Kind of right. Like, yeah. She, like, she, she, she stops being the comic relief as soon as the wacky hacker kid, like, fulfills that role. And, and even, so that, that then after that episode, like kind of like they start rapporting that up between uh, yeah. Spike and Faye again. E- yeah, even then, yeah. Faye can be pretty funny, though. You know, she yeah, actually that's true, yeah. she has got her scenes. She's got a more serious role in the movie, I'll say. I mean, uh, does, and yeah. Vincent, I guess, kind of feels a connection with her, and yeah. and wants her to be like the sole yeah. survivor with him or something. And there's a. a, a a scene that that's a little uncomfortable where he like cuts her top and <laughs> oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah there's that scene that yeah that is quite um yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little is that, not so much rapey but just kind of yeah well, it's that threat isn't it it's, it's that, pretty it's pretty yeah, up there i, 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 I was gonna it say it's kind of getting pretty rapey it's yeah like, like, non-consensual knife play <laughs> no, I mean I, I've got that in my notes that that's um that that's quite a fairly uncomfortable scene. I love yeah. that. I got that in my notes. Not okay. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. weird because even in the original series, you don't get a whole lot of that. No, you don't. No, you don't. no not, not no. at all. Honestly, I mean it's still gutsy and uh, and you know macabre, but it's not. It's not. It's and it really never crosses that kind of like that line. Yeah, no, no. It, it doesn't, and and that and that movie, the movie does kind of feel like a little bit more mature as well. I think, um, I think just in just in general, it's its yeah. tone yeah. is a bit a little bit it's indulgent, a little bit dark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. It, it doesn't like have it. the same tongue in cheekness that the series no. Can have. No, it is no. It that's something you said, it. Lewis, as well, didn't you? About the difference in like Spike's character. Yeah, in I mentioned the movie yesterday, actually, when yeah. we were like having a catch up. Um, it is there's there's a serious difference in Spice's character, which yeah. does feel a little bit juxtaposed against the, where it should sit in the series. Um, yeah, yeah. Even though things are like ramping up and everything else, this is like kind of this is like this one kind of job is occupying his whole mind. Yeah, well, um, I mean, it, it's only like the largest bounty in Mars history and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah. That's his, that's his, true. His, yeah, and it, but like it does, it does serve as it, you know as a standalone piece when it's it does it kind of replays the introduction of of the first episode in the series, yeah, mm. in the movie where it's got you know the uh, sexy space undertones and there's all this 
uh, jazz music and great. You know, you're immediately captivated by the soundtrack and it immediately replays the familiar scenario. So it's it's introductory to, to people who are watching it for the first time and it's so familiar to people who know the series. It's again, it's, you know, uh, a meal between Jet and, yeah. uh, and Spike. Yeah, joined, yeah. Right? The movie's it's, opening it's, is actually I I, I I enjoy it quite a bit because, like you said, I think it's it's good for even people who haven't watched the series, and for people who have, you know, it's just more uh, uh, of these characters, and you get to kind of you know nibble on it a little bit more. But it, it's a good introduction, so much so that the that the the scene almost line for line was copied into the Netflix series. Actually, yeah, mm, they actually right. used the the. Yeah. Funny enough, they used I, some of the lines from the opening of the movie. Really, I didn't watch the Netflix series. <laughs> you didn't miss much. We won't get into it too much. <laughs> for what it's worth, I think that they did nail the characters. The casting was really yeah. good, and and I do like that they referenced the movie by using that opening scene. You know, they even like I said, line for line for line, they they said, mm. you know, I'm just a, a good old fashioned bounty. Just a humble bounty hunter. That's what he says. Hell, they they, they yeah. even uh, they even jock some scenes from uh, some of the manga even in that. Series. I haven't read the manga. I have. I think I think there's a certain difficulty that, much like you know the live action quote the live action versions of things like The Lion King. Uh-huh. There's oh, a certain yeah. difficulty when uh, when there's such an image held to mind of this imagination and this fantasy scape that's so well captured through animation. That's just untrustable. Yeah, yeah. I, I that's. I think that's. I completely agree with you, Lewis. I think that's absolutely. Stylistically, spot. there's really yeah. nothing you could do unless you're some savant level director, art director working together as a team seamlessly. It's just. It's just one of those, like you said earlier, it defines its own genre and it just cannot be recreated in or interpreted into something like a live action series. Is I agree. That, insanely hard. Yeah, and that's why I like anime so much, and anime animation in general so much, because there's something that you can just do in animation that you just cannot do. You spark an imagination. It's like it's yeah. that it, it, the world becomes yours. You know, it's not. It doesn't feel like you're occupying. You're not a fly on the wall. You're, this is like it's a two D thing, and you're you're presented with like a, a painting and a story, and you're you're taken there. So yeah. the interpretation of art and versus, you know, kind of like the nuances of how someone's jacket moves in a breeze. Like everything in animation is deliberate. Yeah. Your eyes are drawn to something. Yeah. There's a visual hierarchy to that. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, absolutely. It's that, that craft through from music choice to scene by scene panning to where the money gets saved to where the money gets spent. And it, the whole piece is you cannot recreate it. You cannot recreate the combat scenes the same way you could in... It's just, yeah. It just doesn't work. I would no say emphasis. that I would say that a series as idiosyncratic as Cowboy Bebop, even trying to remake it using today's animation styles, I think would be a little difficult to really capture. Yeah. It, it's know? something yeah. that kind of just stands on its own. We have the twenty six yeah. episodes and we have the movie, and that's it. It's an enigma. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and that's all that there needs to be. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. be opposed <laughs> to seeing another, maybe another movie set you know, between some of the episodes or, or maybe a couple extra episodes here and there if they if they were able to replicate the original animation style. But other than that, yeah. I mean, this is a series that kind of just needs to be left alone. Mm. You know, I don't think it needs to be adapted. I don't think it needs to be remade or rebooted. It is something no. that is that is perfect the way that it is. And the Netflix series at times captured some of the feeling 
but it's always going to be compared to the source material. And, yeah. and yeah, that's exactly. what Cowboy Bebop is. And thankfully, you know, the movie, despite taking place, you know, despite being made a few years after, and maybe there being a, a, a written, some of the characters being written a little bit differently, you know, still feels very much in, in the same world. Yeah. I knew I knew yeah. something was going to be wrong when I first saw Ed in that. <laughs> that all the way yeah. near the end, when but, I yeah. first saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't coming back. No, th- this yeah. isn't I mean, coming back. When the episode structure is so, and the movie structure is, is so um, like reading a comic book, you know, it's it's yeah. it, you can't you can't translate that. So Which is interesting I mean, because it's not adapted from a manga. I mean, the anime is the original. Yeah, yeah. there it's is the a original, manga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the manga came. Like yeah, yeah, the manga came out uh, after the fact. I, I need believe. to check that out though, because it would be nice to get some more stories set in the Bebop universe. It would it would be interesting to see them actually if, if they were to make a uh, movie they would need to adapt one of those stories. Yeah, I honestly that's if they want to do something do that adapt like, the manga. Like th- there, there's a manga story that uh, goes a little deeper into Faye's backstory and actually uh, gets into her mentor, which is actually brought into the live action series. Okay. Yeah, the, her mentor her mentor in that that's an actual allusion to the to the manga. Gotcha. So. So so I mean, yeah. For, I, I think one of the fundamental problems of the TV series is it just completely failed to capture the cool. Oh that yeah. Was in in the anime, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, the, just... the, the kind of essence that what made the, the anime such a great TV series. I think it just completely failed to capture that essence. Mm. And or I don't recreate it. I don't think that they were ever going to nail it. It's, no, they no. just weren't going to. You know, for all the reasons we've just said about why animation works for that kind of thing and doesn't, you know, yeah, I think it was kind of just doomed to fail, really. I mean, I, I went in with it a really open mind. I, you know, I, I was going to be really kind of objective about it, and you know, didn't go in thinking I'm not, I'm not going to like it. But yeah, literally after the first couple of episodes, I was just like, yeah, yeah this I is. Mean, Going back to the whole thing with the animation, I mean, we're watching it right now, and I'm just noticing all the nuances, even in just, you know, the backgrounds and during, like, the fight scenes yeah. with, like, the explosions and yeah, everything. Yeah, and, reflections. You know, the reflections yeah. Reflections, the way that, you yeah. know, gunfire is portrayed and everything. There's yeah. just, it's I just know. done in a way that you, it can never be replicated in live action. Mm-hmm. Even, even just yeah. little nuances yeah. like that. Yeah. And you'll notice in the craft of it as well, like, where, um, where exposition scenes are kind of like cut into uh, fast-paced segments, like chase scenes, where yeah. a lot, they want a lot of the budget to go um, on the axis yeah. on movement, uh, reflection, and all that sort of stuff. They'll have there's I think there's one there's one scene that stood out to me where uh, they're doing it's the chase scene. They come out um, and there's police looking for them, but like it's like a, it's like a three second like uh, animation frame, and it's like. In, noticeably lower budget like it's just like kind of like a couple of frames for the mouth movement and then it moves straight on but you don't even notice it because like the pacing of the scene natural for that to be like you know that to be flung yeah, across. yeah yeah it is feels it feels like you're flicking a page you know mm-hmm. it's weird it's great exactly stylistically yeah, fantastic like the animation is just unbelievable unbelievable yeah the there's so the much world building is yeah. just phenomenal like you say you want you want more from that universe just yeah, the, simply because it's just so the intricacies of every scene the way they yes. kind of like 
they really double down heavily on the representations of uh, ethnic groups in it as well. Yeah, uh, music is stylistically chosen. You know, it's a bit on the nose, and it is very much you know, like you know, as you'd expect it to be, maybe a uh, a very Japanese looking at the West kind of uh, yeah, interpretation yeah. of these cultures. But realistically, it's just it's so visually stimulating that everything feels like a sight. Yeah, yeah definitely. Say on that. <laughs> yeah, it's got a lot of um, like the detail for a TV series as well, which generally tends to you know often have a lot of shortcuts because they're working to a schedule and a smaller budget. The detail in it is like incredible. Yeah, you know, and the animation quality is is absolutely incredible for a TV series. So much detail. Also, by the way, guys, dubbed or subbed for Cowboy Bebop. You see, this is one of those rare ones where it's uh, it's not a yes or no question, because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's stylistically like I I would always I always kind of t- tend to watch it in in uh, subbed, but I know the I don't know is, is really good. The it, dubbed version for me is is just essential. I I, I feel weird watching this. Is it close to it's, the heart? it's definitive. It's so definitively those characters. I tend to prefer anime subtitled, but this one is one of those few that just, to me, the the, the classic experience is dubbed. And and it's really because they found the perfect voice actors. Yes, Steve Blum, Bo Billingsley. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're they're amazing. Yeah. It is is one of those rare ones. It's like... um, I un- I know the feeling. I like. I don't say. I wouldn't say I have that feeling of it being right for Cowboy Bebop because it's the first way I watched it was in was subbed. Yeah. Um, but the the I know the feeling because I would I like watch you know I, it's Western kind of interpretation, but the the voice acting for uh, if you look at Netflix and go to Castlevania, that the the voice acting for Castlevania just feels so natural. It's just like hand-picked it feels very curated and uh, yes yeah uh, it's I, I definitely would agree that the dub is given as much love as the, the as it should you know it's, it's yeah where you, where you pick you're like right this is this is a f- this is a land mark piece of media we need the right voices <laughs> you know? exactly they're, they're hand it's, it's handcrafted i've never watched it dubbed I have to say, really? I never really? watch anime dubs. Yeah, I just don't watch anime dubs. I, I never ever wa- listen to dubs, so I've never, I've never heard the dub to Cowboy Bebop. It's really I, good. I highly recommend dub. it. It's one of the greatest dubs ever recorded with some of the greatest uh, voice yeah. actors ever. And there are only like, a handful of anime I feel that way about. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist is one of them. I'll only watch that dubbed. Um, I, I tried to watch uh, Claymore subbed and it didn't feel right either that that's another one but cowboy bebop i think is is the definitive example of an anime that to to me feels better dubbed i mean everyone's experience is going to differ uh death note as well american double shin chan (laughs) 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 gotta love that one (laughs) all right here's another question if there's any you go ahead i'll carry on no 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 okay yeah right right on okay here's here's my question Faye or julia Who's your favorite? Faye. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Julia is. I think even Faye even even says something about her. She's like, you, you know, no... she's ordinary, and I'm like, yeah. You don't really get a lot of Julia. Um, I, Faye is yeah, just Julia, such a much no more fleshed out really character. Say yeah. that again. Yeah. 
I was just going to say, like, Faye, you don't, um, Faye, you yeah. get to empathize with, and you get her whole plight, and you're way more connected. Yeah. Julia, you just have no connection to her. Um, I, you yeah, you know just... she's close to. She's she's close to Spike and you're close to Spike, but you're not close to her. <laughs> yeah. You want things to work yeah. out for Spike's sake, but you don't yeah. really know anything about Julia, and that's where they yeah. f- they fucked it up in the live action. Going back to that, they've that's what it yeah. really did it for me was how they fucked up Julia. Yeah, for I, me, I, Julia just feels a bit like you 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 kind of fairly standard femme fatale almost. You know, yeah, it so, is. So. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's not given as much attention as it probably no, should. No, she's not given as much, no. It definitely. just goes back to the narrative, to how she's portrayed in the narrative. Yeah. I mean, she's pretty much yeah. like a, almost, she's almost the MacGuffin mm-hmm. for the for Spike for mm-hmm. pretty much the entirety mm-hmm. of the series. Yeah. She's kind of yeah, a MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. Faye is yeah, her own person. She's her own character with her own arc. And, you know, yeah. whether or not that arc is, is, is uh, tied up is... You know, as as much as as we would like, and you know, as, as we get as much closure as 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 you know, we feel that we need with this character. You still spend a lot of time with her, and you know, she just feels like an integral part of the series. And you know, she has her ups and downs, and you you, you get to understand her character, you know, almost as well as you do Spike, or as well as you do with Jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a little bit more than you do with Ed or Ein, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I would say a a spinoff with uh, Ed and Ayn would be amazing. Seriously, <laughs> that would be a great mm-hmm. series. I need yeah, some more, yeah, even yeah. even if it's just a little OVA or something like that. That would be. Perfect. <laughs> I'm glad that the movie, you know, even with with the more serious tone that it took, still had its Ed scene. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, you know, you still get that scene with Ed kind of walking door to door doing trick or treat way before Halloween even yeah. starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. But one more question. What yeah. what episode from the original series do you think would be the best episode to show someone who has never watched Cowboy Bebop? Like what what would be Ooh. the best introductory episode? Oh, episode 1. Episode 1, yeah. I was going to say oh, Asteroid Blues. One. It is it is the Asteroid perfect Blues, introduction Asteroid. to the series. It's the perfect yeah, like that you, is true. you get yeah. it immediately yeah. sets up like you you yeah. know exactly where you're going to get 10, yeah. like 15 okay. seconds in you've got space western uh slightly steampunk you've got um yeah like an incredible build up of like cinematic scenes showing off it's just so wonderfully crafted yeah yeah <laughs> it's definitely yeah it's got it has got a very very good like i say i think it is one of the best opening episodes of of any series um, there's a, a few like armature votomes i think has the best opening episode of any tv series but cowboy bebop's exactly for what lewis just said i think it just sets the whole everything you need to know about cowboy bebop and what to expect in the remaining 25 episodes and it's yeah. very western friendly as well like it's yeah very, very yeah, definitely western friendly now, yeah, now see, narrative yeah. structure is very western me personally friendly. i would show somebody toys in the attic that's a good episode too Honestly. yeah <sighs> What, what's, to be what's honest, good? I think that that is my weakest episode in the whole really? series. That's one of my yeah. favorites because it's it's a straight up horror movie. It, it's it's a standalone horror story. I like it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. It has all yeah. those great little it, allusions to like uh, the thing and uh, alien mm. and all that. You know, like I mean, yeah. And I get, be, I get all the riffs the... and reference to it, but I think I don't know. For me, in the flow of the the whole series, I think it. I don't know. I. I, I just kind of feel it spoils the flow of the series a bit, that episode. Yeah, I, I don't you know think, that I would show honest. it to somebody first. Yeah. 
I yeah. would show it as a as a example of what a standalone episode would be like. Just take it out mm. of the overarching story and everything, and it's just like just a typical story for the bebop it's like to me that's like one of the better ones that's true it, it is one of the better standalone episodes i mean it's definitely up there for plus me. plus you get a little bit of uh, the inner dialogue for each member of the bebop mm-hmm. you know like you kind of get a better grasp of yeah. what their characters are like it's got a it's got a fun structure too. the whole episode yeah with the, with the lessons and everything yeah yeah and, and then that that yeah. ending that ending is just superb i think <laughs> the, the lesson learned is uh you know don't leave stuff stuff in the fridge too long <laughs> no don't don't leave stuff in the fridge <laughs> that, that is sage yeah, advice that's right like, that's, those episodes remind me of red dwarf in that way it's kind of got like, yeah kind yeah of, you know everything's happening in isolation kind of things these, these guys are solely responsible for their own chaos and the plot isn't um, I think the weakest. <laughs> no. Exactly. I think the weakest episode to show someone for the first time would probably be Gateway Shuffle. Yeah, probably. It's just a bit mm. it's a bit entrenched and and off beat, I guess, for the rest of the series. Because like because like Honky Tonk goes like literally the episode before is complete tonal shift in Gateway Shuffle. True. Yeah. How, how about Heavy Metal Queen? How about Heavy Metal Queen? That's a fun one. That's a fun episode. Remind like, me. The the the, tr- the space trucker episode. With you know, it had uh, v- VTT. Oh, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that's a pretty kick-ass yeah. episode to show. Like, people who may not have ever heard of Cowboy Bebop. It's like, this is the best yeah. example of how the series works. Yeah. yeah. I think the nice yeah. thing about yeah. Cowboy Bebop, though, is you could flip this on. Let's say you're watching... Uh, uh, adult swim in the early 2000s, yeah. late at night, and Cowboy Bebop comes on, and you just watch an episode, and you can kind of get a feel for the series no matter where you start. I mean, unless it's it's the second part of one of those two parters, that would probably be a little confusing. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> to me, to me, and another anime that that's kind of similar in that particular vein is Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. Okay, yeah, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. You know, there, yeah. No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's. I was going to say about go that. Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go on, go on. Uh, what's great about that is, yeah, there's a very important overarching story, you know, with like the Laughing Man and everything. Yeah. But there's yeah. so many episodes in that series where you can just put it on, and it's like you barely even need an introduction to the characters. You just kind of know that this is yeah. basically a procedural, you know, and you know how yeah. to yeah. actually approach it and everything. And, and they have a lot of episodes like that, and I guess that's kind of where it's similar to Cowboy Bebop in that sense. You know, that yeah. may be one of the next yeah. anime that we need to cover, like one of the Ghost in the Shell movies. Oh, we should do the first Ghost in the Shell movie. That's like a classic. That's yeah. up there with like Akira. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I, I would, I would, I would, I would argue that, um, you know, the series of Cowboy Bebop and and maybe the movie itself is is worthy to be up there and listed with the greats like Akira and Ghost in the Shell. Definitely. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think out of any anime I've watched, Cowboy Bebop has the best quality. It, 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 you know, in terms of storytelling, animation, presentation, everything. Yeah. Presentation. Yeah. Presentation of it. Yeah. It's, it, it's up it there. It really did, like, carry on. I was saying, it, like Bo said earlier, it's a good gateway anime. You know, to me, I would, if, yeah. if somebody was kind of hesitant about anime, I would show them either Cowboy Bebop or Death Note. You know, anime series yeah. that I would show people to introduce them that are just good stories that happen to be anime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Death yeah, Note is like... one of those weird ones because I, I always feel like it's a little bit too edgy to show first. Yeah, I think, a little bit. I, I, maybe, yeah. I, I like, I, I like uh, Hunter x Hunter for that. 
I'll go. I'll go all the way back back and just show them Project Echo. <laughs> <laughs> just go go that far back. <laughs> Fuck it. But anyways, I think that that's about as much as we we can get into Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think just on that, you know, standalone complex thing. I think you know because it only came like four years or so after Cowboy Bebop, and there was definitely an influence in that. And, you know, Kenji Kamiyama definitely took that as an influence in, in how he structured definitely. that series. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you, you could see it. Definitely an influence. Yeah. yeah. Powerful, powerful yeah. soundtracks stylistically yeah. Yeah. throughout the two of them. Both by Yoko uh, Kano, by yeah. the way. Both yeah. mesmerizing. Yeah, yeah. again, another. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, both, both mesmerizing worlds that you just want to, you know, explore more of. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, Anyway, um, I guess we're going to go ahead and start wrapping things up. Uh, go ahead sure. and uh, tell us where our listeners can find your show on the social medias and on whatever pod catchers or whatever. Yeah, so um, you can find us on Twitter at RetroAnime. Um, you can find the podcast almost anywhere. So we're on SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon, Apple podcasts or whatever it's called these days so yeah we're literally everywhere over the uh over the internet and yeah, anywhere that does podcasts but you can find us by searching for retro anime podcast you can't get rid of us you can't <laughs> get rid of us no. excellent excellent yeah and is there anything uh coming up on in the pipeline for the show like any special episodes or anything like that what's next e um, so we're doing a bit of a slice of life episode um, next. So uh, we're doing uh, Yagami's Family Affairs and Toei, um, a couple of uh, late 80s, early 90s uh, OVAs. Um, nice. And then we've got some interesting kind of um, war war kind of films from the from the 80s, but using animals to kind oh, of tell okay. the story. So. Uh, so that one, um, yeah, that's going to be quite an interesting one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What would you say? What would you say is our favorite one you've done? We've done recently. Um. Ooh, we've done. I quite like the City Hunter episode. That was a good one. Yeah, City Hunter. I would also say um, Vampire Hunter D. Yeah, oh, the Vampire yeah. Hunter D one was a good one. Yeah. 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 I do love Vampire Hunter D. That's one of my old school favorites. Yeah, that's one of those ones that like uh, I, I I loved that. That was really cool. That oh, is, yeah. um, yeah, that is a very, very, I mean, that, because that film, I mean, I remember watching back in, like, the, the mid-90s or whenever it first uh, came out, and it's just, 
it's such a timeless film. Um, it really is. It really, really is a, a timeless film. And then Bloodline is a great uh, film in its yeah, own right. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd forgotten, yeah. actually, how good Bloodline was, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, um, good. <laughs> really good. I think, I think watching that and then watching Castlevania on Netflix made me enjoy Vampire Hunter D and Castlevania more. Hell I love yeah. that kind yeah. of era. Yeah, set. definitely. Yeah. Well, well, it's all been right. a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, definitely. It was our pleasure uh, having you guys on the show. We would love to have you back on the show again to talk about another anime movie sometime. Yeah, like I said, I think, I think yeah. naturally Ghost in the Shell would be a good place to go next. But at some point, I may want to yeah, definitely. myself yeah. and do uh, do like a Naruto movie or something, too. <laughs> if we're going to do that, then we need to bring an Inuyasha <laughs> movie out. Because that, that's closer to we my do, generation. We could also do Trigun. Trigun. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, we got to do Trigun. Hell yeah! Especially with the new series coming out. Yeah, yeah. There's a new Trigun. Yeah, the right? new one. Yeah, yeah. It could, yeah, be, it could yeah. be good to yeah. get ahead of it. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of a good companion piece to Cowboy Bebop. Another space western. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah that, that's I love Trigun. good old Vasha Stampede. <laughs> well, <laughs> Ash, what's going on with uh, Collateral Gaming? Well, one of these days we may actually get our part two of our season finale out on uh, Fire Emblem, The Blazing Blade. Uh, I uh, just uh, shit's been hard to coordinate, coordinate, but eventually that's happening, uh, hopefully by the end of this month. And then we will be starting up uh, season five of Collateral Gaming with Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VII Remake. Let me tell you, uh, I have been sleeping on this game for too long because it's fucking amazing. It really is. It's one of my all-time childhood classics. I I know that game practically like the back of my hand, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. So, I mean, yeah, that's how we're opening up the season. It's going to be a two-parter. We're going to talk about Final Fantasy VII, the original, and then Final Fantasy VII Remake, kind of comparing and contrasting the two. And uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I have been thoroughly enjoying both of those. Yeah, they're both amazing games, and I, I'm I'm having fun uh, playing my file on uh, my PS Classic. I mean, yeah. I, I'm just sitting there grinding and grinding and grinding. I'm not even like a quarter of the way through the first disc. And I'm already at level like sixty and everything. I'm like, I know you, this motherfucker <laughs> loves to grind. You no, know, I I grind like heavily in my RPGs, <laughs> heavily. So, so yeah, that, that's gonna be a lot of fun. And you can find Collateral Gaming in the same places we can find Collateral Simo, right? That's right. Wherever you get your podcasts. Yep. And also on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, you can find us there. And also check out our Patreon. We have exclusive full-length movie commentaries. And uh, maybe during the interseason break before season six starts up, we should get a couple more out. Namely, (laughs) the Buttercream Gang. Buttercreamers. Buttercreaming for life and for fun. (laughs) That's right. Buttercreaming is about having fun. It's not just about helping people or whatever. Having fun. It's about having fun. It's about Buttercreaming for Jesus. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, fun times. And also, check us out on Good Pods. You can go there and find your favorite indie podcasts. I I wouldn't be surprised if Retro Anime is on that app as well. uh, You said you can't get rid of us. (laughs) <laughs> exactly <laughs> but yeah follow us there check out our episodes and uh give us a uh, rating so that we can uh, climb the rankings on the uh, on the uh, indie cinema podcast and everything so yeah check us out there and follow us there but anyways uh guys is there anything else you would like to add uh um, no just been a really good 
to actually be on here and uh, you know do this podcast with you guys. I've been looking forward to it for a long time, so I'm, I'm glad we've made it happen. Yeah, we finally yeah, made it happen. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's been great to have you guys, honestly. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll have to do a, a promo swap or something like that sometime soon. So Definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. For sure, for sure. Well, with all that said, I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Ian Harper. And I'm Lewis, but you can call me Lube. And this was Collateral Cinema with the Retro Anime Podcast. And yeah, you're going to carry that weight, ladies and gentlemen. See you later, <laughs> Space Cowboy. See you, Space Cowboy. Slav Ukraina. Space Cowboy. Slav Ukraina. Later. <laughs>
Collateral Cinema is a Collateral Media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.